Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 12. We've come to the end of a great book of the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I found a lot of joy in going through its chapters and and verses. You know, we've gone from going through some of the most read, well-known Bible stories to some of the least read chapters in the Bible. So, you know, it's been a a little bit of a journey, hasn't it? I mean, for me, um, Daniel has brought encouragement, it's brought... Uh, correction, um, it's brought courage and motivation to live God strong, uh, to live in Him faithfully uh, for the rest of my life or until He comes. So I, I hope you've received some of that too uh, as we've gone through God strong in the book of Daniel here and I, th- I think I'm going to miss it. I mean, I, I like that word, you know, God strong. I, I, I don't know, I like it. I think I might have to get the t-shirt. You know, one of the prayer requests that uh, we often make when we travel or go on mission trips is for God to grant us traveling mercies. You know, and so we're just asking that, um, you know, everything works like it should. The the plane gets us where we're going on time. You know, there's space on the plane when we get on there. Um, As we traveled to Brazil we experienced all of those mercies. Uh, so it was, it, was, uh, it was great to be praying that and seeing God answer it. Um, it was four flights to get down to Brazil and four flights to get home. And uh, on the way home, we stopped in Fort Lauderdale for a planned 12-hour layover. And just just kind of the way that it worked out for us. So we got there about 7 in the morning and we saw our plane was on schedule to leave at 7 in the evening. And so we were like, okay, the question came up, what are we going to do in the meantime? Well, of course, when you're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you need to go to the beach, right? So there's a picture of me at the beach in the meantime. But before you're... Get any, you know, feelings of envy or, or jealousy there. I will tell you it was the worst time I ever had at the beach. I mean, first and foremost, Lori wasn't with me, and that's really all I cared about was getting to Lori, and I couldn't get there. You know, so that was the, you know, that's the totally thing. So I was exhausted. I was sitting on this beach chair under a beach umbrella, and I'm trying to just sleep, and I could have done that anywhere. All I wanted was to charge my phone and eat something and get on a plane and get home. Now, I, I, I can hear you now. You know, poor Pastor Greg. He had to spend 12 hours on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. 
But listen, life in the meantime is hard. And we spend a lot of our time in the meantime. That's true for Daniel, and it's true for believers. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the advents of Christ, right? The, when he came the first time as an infant and grew up and did what he did, lived that life, did that incredible gift of love to us. And, and, and so now we're waiting on the second advent, right? So we're living life in the meantime and trying to do that God's strong until he comes back. Well, the rest of chapter 12 here is a, is a pro, prologue. Or it, it's, it's the conclusion to a vision that's taken two chapters, 10 to 12, to, to give to Daniel, a, a prophecy from an angel. And it's going to help us live life in the meantime, be God strong in the meantime. So we get to, to read it all up front here as we, as we get started. Ch- uh, chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two other stories. Others stood on one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335th days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, can come to you this morning and um, be full of gratitude for this great book that we have soaked our hearts in over the summer. And it has been uh, it has been good and encouraging and challenging and um, inspiring uh, to live for you in this world. And we thank you, Lord, for for that. And we pray that as we finish it up today, that it would finish its work in us. That It would be planted and bear fruit in our lives today to help us keep going. Help us live in the meantime as we're waiting for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So in the meantime, we can can picture this painting of verse 4. As this vision comes to a close, the angel is painting a picture uh, for Daniel of, of history, this flyover view of, of history. So the words that he has received are for future times and for future people uh, to get through future events. This is for the future. Sealing documents back in Daniel's day had to do with making some copies of them and taking the original and putting it someplace safe 
sealing it up with a wax seal so that no one could read it or that it could not be be corrupted. So it's put away. And then the angel says there's going to be this quest for knowledge going on. People are going to be going to and fro and knowledge will increase. So they'll be, they'll be seeking knowledge and they are going to find it. It's going to be going up. Today, there is a quest for knowledge that is going on and it's never been more successful in the history of the world thanks to technology. So people are still going to and fro, getting information, trying to decipher what's true and what isn't. Five years ago, I went to the doctor and I was made aware that I had high cholesterol. So they put me on a drug, a statin drug, which just about 90% of the population is on, I think. And they're like, this is, this will take care of it. It'll lower your cholesterol, you know, it'll keep your heart out of trouble and all that. Well, today, did you know that there are studies that are being done, that have been done, that are saying that cholesterol is not the problem? I mean, it didn't have anything to do with heart disease. In fact, the statin drug is just like pounding sand. Who do you believe? What's true? Politics is another area of life that you can see this painting. People going to and fro, knowledge increasing. And depending on what network you get your information from, you know, you, you can see that we don't know what's true. I mean... You go one channel and they got the same information that's filtered down through. Then you go to the other channel, comes down through their filter, and you got two opposing views with the same information. What's true? We don't know. We've got so much knowledge at our fingertips. All we have to do is ask the right question and we get an instant answer. Let me, uh, let me try an experiment here. Hey Siri, what's 10,268? Yeah, this is an experiment. Hey Siri, what's 10,268 times 4,562? 10,268 times 4,562 is 46,842,616. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Oh, uh, you get the idea. <laughs> Wouldn't even work once this morning, but. It's there, right? It's there. You can ask Siri how far it is from here to the Indianapolis and it'll tell you by the crow flies. You can ask Siri what the Chinese word is for good morning and he will tell you what it is in Mandarin Chinese. I mean, we've got all this information at our fingertips. It's right there. It's easily accessible. No one is keeping us from our quest for knowledge. It's the, it's the most successful that it's ever been in the history of the world. So it's really not hard to picture this painting. I mean, we're living in it. The problem is that without the Word of God to filter this information through, even though there's this quest for knowledge, there is a thirst for understanding. There's a thirst for understanding. You know, for us, this book isn't sealed up. It's, it's now the time of the end. And so it's for us, it's for uh, our lives and what we're living through. That, that's what these things are for. And so when we open up this book, we learn about God and we learn about life with Him and we learn how to decipher this information that we get from the world. We get all of that. 
But the problem is the Bible goes in and out of favor with man. You know, Paul, he instructed Timothy in chapter 4, verse 2, to preach the word of God and to do that in season and out of season. And so the Bible goes out of season. It goes out of style in the world and, sadly, in the church. They aren't following it anymore. They aren't going to it. I mean, it's not viewed as a reliable book. You can find PhDs that will give you all this scientific criticism about the Word of God telling you it's not how we read it. It's unreliable. It's got mistakes. It's got all this stuff. You're a fool. In fact, you're called a naive realist if you think Moses wrote the first five books and it happened just the way we read it. A naive realist. Google it. You can find out what that means. Increase your knowledge. So it goes in season and out of season, and the Bible is out of season. And and so this painting is telling us that there's going to be chaos in the world as it runs to its end, and they're pursuing knowledge, but they'll be thirsting for understanding. So in the meantime, in the meantime, as we, as, as believers with this book, we can open it up in our country for free. We need to run to God's Word. We run to it, we soak in it, we read it, we memorize it, we meditate on it, we let it tell us how to decipher the information of the world. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right, Jesus said, man should not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah 40, verse 7 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God will stand forever. It's eternal. And in the meantime, we need to run to it, soak in it. Don't be part of the painting. In the meantime, verses 5 to 12 are going to lead us to pursue the purpose. So Daniel, he's, he's there at this river. He looks and he sees two more Angels show up, one on each bank of the Tigris River. And remember, there's one that's hovering above the waters that's been there giving him this prophecy. And so I was thinking, that's got to be a cool sight, you know, this trifecta of angels as you stand in there uh, by the river. But uh, one of those new guys, they ask the angel that's hovering, hey, how long is all this going to take? When's this going to be over? And so the one that's above the waters, he raises both hands to heaven, And he says, I swear by the one who lives forever, I swear by God, it will be time, times, and half a time. So God's got this plan. And it's a plan to bring about his kingdom. And the angels say, it's going to take this long and it's going to be over when God's people are powerless. When they're crushed. When they're of no importance. So God's plan is to bring his kingdom, to remove the presence of evil, and to punish the wickedness of of mankind. Now the enemy of this plan, uh, he is not going to go down without a fight, but he's got no power. He's already lost the victory to, to Jesus. He's got no ability to take on the Almighty God, so he does the next best thing, comes after his followers and so in the end, it's going to look really bad. It's going to be, be really bad for us. As this plan draws to a close, evil evil's going to look like it's going to a cru- an easy victory. It'll be just cruising. And so we will be uh, under severe persecution. Some people giving up their lives uh, for the kingdom, be martyred for their faith. 
So there's a timetable for the plan. Time, times, and half a time. And that harkens back to a verse back in Daniel chapter 7. That was all looking at kind of um, AD 70 and what was going on there. Um, but here we get this dual fulfillment thing going on again. And so now we're talking about future events. We got this time, times, and half a time um, telling us that you know something's coming that's, that's bigger. And in, verses, and in verse 11, it mentions 1,290 days, which is three and a half years. And so you could see that as a literal three and a half years for seven-year tribulation. You could see that. Or it could be the last half of the 70th week. Uh, that, that Daniel saw. So um, then you got verse 12. It adds 45 days to the three and a half years. You get 1,335 days. And I guarantee you, Siri doesn't even know what that means. <laughs> Nobody does yet. At any rate, the good news is there's an end to the suffering. The timetable is a merciful timetable. Uh, God's people will not always be under the suffering. So what do we do in the meantime while we wait for the end, while we wait for Jesus to come back, we pursue the, the purpose. And so verse 8, Daniel says he doesn't understand and he, uh, what he's hearing and he asks the angel for more information and the angel provides some. Daniel, go your way. Uh, do what you know to do. And this is for future times. So without understanding, he says people are going to act wicked. Uh, the wicked will continue to act wickedly and they'll do it all the more. They'll do it worse than ever before as the end comes. There's going to be wicked people and there's going to be wise people. The wise people are going to be purifying themselves, making themselves white and ready for the end. So you got the wicked and you got the wise. Those without understanding of the wicked, those with understanding are going to be wise. So as we wait for the end, we want to, we want to make sure we're doing two things. Getting washed... And getting wise. Two things. How do we do that? Well, the only way to get washed is by trusting in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross and conquered, conquering the grave. I watched this show called Pioneer Quest. It was about two couples that agreed to live for one year out on the Canadian prairie as if it was the 1870s. And so they're all excited at the beginning. They go out there and they start living like it's 1870. I mean, they dressed like it was 1870. They ate like it was 1870. And they worked like it was 1870. I mean, they were learning how to plow ground with a team of horses. That was kind of a good episode. They had to dig their own wells, build their own houses. They were up and it really winters were really ugly. So they were, you know, had all this stuff to do. What, you know, what else they had to do? They had to wash their own clothes, and they didn't have a washing machine. They had a washboard. And so to wash their clothes took a whole day. They had laundry day. And they're out there scrubbing their clothes and, and doing all that. You know, it's, it's quite a bit different for us 150 years later, isn't it? I mean, we've got these washing machines. We just throw our clothes in there with a little bit of soap, and it does all the work for us. Before I left for Brazil, our washer broke. Now, we didn't break out the washboard, but we were close. And it's all fixed now, thank goodness. And it really did make me grateful for this machine that does all the work for us. I mean, it works for us every single day. Well, the angel, he is not talking here about an external cleaning. He's talking about an internal one, a purity in our souls. 
And by and large, most of the people in the world today are still trying to use the washboard method of getting their souls clean, getting a cleansing on the inside. It is true of every other religion in the world that they have a washboard to hand you to say, you do this and you'll get clean, you'll get to heaven, you'll get to the next thing. A washboard. And it, that, that's kind of generally is about being a good person. It's about, you know, not hurting people, helping out, pitching in, jumping through a few hoops. They're all telling you what you have to do on the washboard to get clean, to get to the next thing. None of them guarantee you will be clean because none of them get you clean. It's only one that does. So the problem is, the problem is it doesn't matter how much scrubbing we do on the washboard, trying to be good, trying to, to, to live up to this standard of, of a good person. It doesn't matter how much scrubbing we do, it will never clean the insides of us. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 4 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So... We're trying to use dirty rags to clean off a dirty soul, and it's never going to work. We can scrub in our entire life on the washboard like it's 1870, and it's not going to work. Thankfully, there is a soul washer that we can run to, and we can put ourselves in it, and it does all the work for us to get our souls clean. The soap that goes in that washer is the blood of Jesus. He is the washer. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the soap. So in other words, if we trusting Jesus with our soul, by believing in Him, we put ourselves into His soul washer, We put ourselves into Him. His blood makes us clean, purifies us. When we do that the first time, God looks at us through the cross and we're clean all the way through. Even if we're dirty on the outside. We get Jesus' righteousness and He took our sin. That's incredible and amazing. Now, we're living in a, in a world that, um, you know, we're, we're getting dirty again. Uh, we, we, we keep getting dirty, but, you know, we don't lose that original cleansing. But we can go back to the soul washer again and again and again. And it will never break down. It will always work. It will never fail you. And guess what? It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to get cleaned up before you go to the soul washer. just have to trust Him, putting yourself in His hands, and He does all the work. The wicked have no understanding, and so they're going to keep living their lives like it's 1870 on the washboard trying to get clean. The question this morning is, how are you trying to get clean? How are you trying to get clean? You had a washboard in your hands, trying to be a good person, trying to live, live right, working hard to do that. Or has Jesus done it? 
You know you're not a good person. You know you're filthy. You know you need his goodness and grace flowing through your life or it's a disaster. Which one are you? How are you trying to get clean? And then we go back again. We keep going back to the soul washer. 1 John 1, 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we want to trust in the soul washer to do all the work for us and drop our washboard. I'm telling you, that is the only way you want to be found when the end comes, when he shows up. So get washed. You also want to get wise. Trusting in the soul washer is the first step toward getting wise. It's the first step toward wisdom. How can you know that you've done that? How can you know that you've trusted in the soul washer? That you've gotten washed? Well, take a look at your life. Take a look at, at how you're living. And specifically, are you following the words of Jesus? Are you trusting in the words that he has said? Listen to what he said in Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So when the end comes, like the angel's describing, it's going to be a storm in our life like we've never seen. Rain like we've never seen, water Uh, wind beating against our house. And Jesus is describing a wise man who is one who hears his words and then puts them into practice. So he hears and then he does them. He goes on to say that a foolish man also hears, going to and fro, increasing knowledge, but he doesn't put them into practice. So which one are you? Are you a wise man or a fool? Both here. The people who aren't here, it's not who Jesus is talking about. He's talking about people who hear the word. Now, this doesn't just apply to the red letters of the Bible, Jesus' words. We can look at the whole counsel of God's word, uh, and it it will help us uh, in our pursuit of wisdom. King Solomon He was arguably the wisest person that ever lived, um, second to Jesus. Remember, he asked God for wisdom, and God granted him that request and gave him a very prosperous kingdom. He wrote that book called Ecclesiastes that told the tale of him pursuing a full and satisfying life. So the wisest man that ever lived, rich, be able to do whatever he wanted to do, he tried everything. He tried material wealth, he tried entertainment, he tried food, sex, fun. Education tried all of these things. The wisest man who ever lived who could try all those things better than any of us ever could came to a conclusion that it was all meaningless. And so if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, you get that message. The wisest person that ever lived, you tried this stuff better than we could ever try it, said it's all meaningless. So why do we throw ourselves into those things searching for meaning, searching for life? Because we're not wise. We're hearing, but we're not practicing. Wisdom is knowledge applied to your life. It's knowledge applied to your life. It's putting to good use the information that our brains have been given. Now we go back to Jesus, the wisest person who ever lived. Then we've got a few of his words. 
in the Bible. He says, you, you will build a solid life, one that will stand against the storms of life if you will hear these words, if you will trust them and put them into practice. So just, just listen to some of Jesus' words from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, just a few verses here. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So practicing good works to bring glory to God will make you a wise person. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so keeping the peace, uh, keeping unity as far as you are able in your life with others has got to be a high priority in your life. It's as high as worship. In fact, if you don't have it, your worship it doesn't mean anything. And so if you want to be wise, make peace with others a high priority. Matthew 5, verses 39 to 41. Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone who would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. So wise people... Don't fight back. Wise people allow themselves to be used and abused and go beyond what the person's asking for because we're trying to show them how our Savior lived his life, how he gave himself away. Matthew six nineteen to 20 Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So make investments in your heavenly account instead of just trying to fill up your earthly account. Wise people will live their lives paying it forward so that this world doesn't get a hold of our hearts. Put them into practice. That's just a snippet, isn't it, of Jesus' words. In fact, you know, he, got, he had a lot of words that didn't get recorded. And we've got this treasure telling us, here's how to be wise. We practice these words. It shapes who we are. It changes our character. It helps refine us for the end, and it will give us a solid foundation for life as it gets worse. So as we watch the world get worse, as we watch the storms rise and come against us in our life, as we wait for the end, in the meantime, pursue this purpose. Get washed and get wise. Okay. Here we go. The last verse of the last chapter. Verse 13. It's short and sweet and filled with hope. In the meantime, persevere on the promise. Daniel, now that you know what's coming, go your way. Keep on doing what you've been doing until the end. Rest is coming. Don't worry about tomorrow. There'll be a day when you stand in your place when the end comes. It is important for us to not try to live our life, our whole life, all at once. You know what I'm saying? Like Daniel's told twice in this passage to go his way, to keep doing what he's doing day by day, living God strong in a godless world. You know, when we start looking at the end of anything and we start longing for the end because life is hard in the meantime... 
we can get down, we can get discouraged thinking, how are we ever going to get there? We have to remind ourselves, we got to live one day at a time. So it's kind of like, well, how am I ever going to get to the end of this week? How am I ever going to get to the end of this semester? How am I ever going to get to the end of my life uh, without this person or with these health problems or with this financial struggle? How am I going to get through the holidays? The answer for all of those questions is the same. One day at a time. One day at a time. Our faith is good for today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough trouble uh, for itself. You may not even get tomorrow. Our focus in this life has got to be our day today. Going our way. Doing what we know to do. Can you do today? Just today? That's all God's asking you to do. And if that seems too much, can you do this hour? Just do the hour. Be faithful in the hour. You know, what we've learned from Daniel is we know it's going to get difficult for God's people. We know God has a plan and it's going to have a definite amount of time and then it's all going to be over. And we know we need to be pursuing Jesus, trusting His work for life and trusting His words for wisdom. Today we need to go our way and that way is His way. We need to do it one more day. That's how we persevere in the meantime. Now, if you're a, a, like a regular Monday to Friday worker, you know, your job starts Monday at 8 a.m., finishes Friday at 5 p.m., then I would imagine that you look forward to Saturday and Sunday, you know, a, a weekend of rest. And my day off is Monday. And uh, I tell you, I love Mondays. You know, not many people do, but I, I'm, you know, out there, this is great. Monday's awesome. This is a day, a day of rest. And I, I was thinking, you know, if we look forward to these days of rest in our schedule, how much more are we going to look forward to the days of rest that never end when we're in God's presence? How much more are we going to enjoy that? Now here, get this. Work is not a bad thing. Work is actually a really good thing. It was given to Adam in the garden before the fall. And then he fell, and then it got hard. You know, God cursed it. And so that's kind of the waters that we, that we swim in. That work is hard. But it's not bad. Now, when the end comes, um, everything that, that we uh, see now gets burned up, and things get recreated, reverting back to garden time. And so things are going to, you know, when we get in Jesus' presence, don't think that you're just going to get to lay down on the couch in His presence. You'll have work to do. But that work won't be interfering with your rest in the presence of God. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. That's a promise of rest, just like Daniel got. We got that too. It's all coming for believers. We need to allow it to inspire us to to live in the meantime one more day. And then Daniel, he also got some assurance about his place. The angel said, you're going to have a place to stand when it's all over. You're going to be standing, not, you know, like now, not, you're not going to be defeated. You're going to be standing in victory in a very important place, Daniel. And it reminded me of the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before they went out and he was arrested and crucified. And it was about a place. John 14.3, he said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may 
be also. I love that promise. I love that promise. Jesus is preparing a place for us. A place where he is. A place with him. And a place custom designed for you and for me. I wish I would think about that place more often. Because it helps me. It helps me in the meantime, in this place, knowing that I've got this promise. I'm so thankful that on the cross when Jesus died, some of his last words were, it is finished. It is finished. Because of that, because he's done all the work for us, there are no ifs to these promises. There's no question that they're going to happen. God is going to bring them about. God is going to get us home. God is going to bring us to our place. It doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on anything. Our smarts, our accomplishments, how, how we look. None of that. You know, Daniel was not about being Greg Strong. Insert your name. It was about being... God strong. And see, it's by His strength that we make it home. That's a promise we can cling to that will help us in the meantime. So as we press on toward the end, we want to let God's promises of peace and presence and place help us live life in the meantime. They're promises. They're not going to fail. They're ours to hang on to. And they'll help us live God strong in the meantime. One more day. Let's have our worship team come back up. So next Sunday, we're going to start a three-message series called Stepping Stones. And we're just going to uh, kind of go through what we're about as a church. So our vision is together, following Jesus, reaching the world. That's, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're about. And so we're going to go through those each Sunday. And really what you're going to get is what you get in membership class. And so if you've never been through that, then... At the end of this, you will know what it takes to be a member at, at Living Streams. And then on October 14th, when we celebrate it at our dinner, we'll have a chance to commit to that together as a church. Because uh, stepping stones, it's not just stepping stones into the stream one time. It's something we do every single day. All right. Let's stand together sing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that it gives us and the promises that we have. Forever you are with us. Forever you are faithful. Forever you are strong. Because of Jesus, we can cling to these promises that there's a place waiting for us that will stand in your presence. There's peace and rest like we've never experienced it before. We just get tastes of it here today. So Lord, as we taste some of that, get ready to go back out to the, to the world that's waiting for us, uh, we ask for your grace in our life to uh, continue to bring ourselves to you and to ask for your mercy and forgiveness and to continue to work at putting your words into practice for your glory and for our good. Holy Spirit, fill us up, bear fruit through us, even today, 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.